Hello, welcome to Weekly Open. I'm Brian here with Don and Cred. We'll get to them in a moment. First, I want to say thanks to our partners over at FTX. I can't manage these uh, different windows here. Go to weeklyopen.com slash FTX. Trade directly from one asset to another using the FTX app. You can still dollar cost in, uh, dollar cost average out. Anything that you need to do on a recurring basis, you can do it through the FTX app nice and easily. We'll see if now's the time to average in or out. I'm not quite sure. We're up 40% off the bottom, so let's see what happens. But everything that you want to track, you can track it on the FTX app super easily. It's a great way to do so. Thanks to them. Weeklyopen.com slash FTX. Let's get to the show. Craig, you're on the left. How are you doing? Yeah, good. I'm really glad that Don got a bottom, but I'm not here to talk about his girlfriend. I'm sure we want to talk about markets. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, dude. Wow. How long did you prepare this one for? Instant. You know me. I never pre-prepare my stuff. It's all, it's all reactive. Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. It's an absolute scorcher here in the UK, temperature-wise. People out here dying. There's no air conditioning in, in most houses. That's how you know that the weather normally doesn't get like this. Thankfully, this place has one, so I'm I'm grooving and enjoying Don's Twitter victory lap, sort of schizophrenic, manic posting. Don, did you really go on a first date by jumping out of an airplane together? Yes, I did. And I'm now best... she's your girlfriend. Yes. This <laughs> best is... first date Between ever. this and buying the bottom, like all of crypto Twitter is going to be just in full cope mode about you. <laughs> <laughs> girlfriend, bottom buyer. Come on. This isn't supposed to happen. Unbelievable, right? I mean, <laughs> someone had to save the market, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but both at the same time. Wow, it's pretty yeah. impressive. Well, yeah, I love how it's at like 22K and we're like, Don, you're the best trader in the world. You know, like it shows yeah. how one-sided and brutal this trend has been. Like if you zoom out and any type of high time frame stuff, it still looks totally pukey. And, and yeah. you know, it, it's the, the one... first visible bounce since literally the top. And we're all here like, <laughs> you know, in, in pure jubilation. It says something about the state of the market, doesn't it? Yeah, the 1% meme guy is very, very real. Um I guess on that front, like how how bullish are we? Um, so far, alts are outperforming Bitcoin pretty broadly, um, mm -hmm. and that's probably my biggest concern. Um, <clears throat> in terms of what's better, it's like the best performers are definitely the things with uh, some kind of narrative, as you touched on in the pre-show, Don. Do you think this is the type of thing where we're just going up a little bit because going down at this point is harder? um or is it something that could be sustained i think it's going to be sustained for a while um with regards to the altcoins going up harder than bitcoin i think it's just because they went down so much they went down so much in fact that like a lot of them bounced 50 60 70 percent and you can barely see it on the chart still um even worse than bitcoin happens. here so it's just kind of like it was super illiquid um on the move down and then people stopped selling and you just get like a 60% mean reversion. And I think that's probably going to stop at some point, like for at least the altcoins that um, don't have a narrative. And then you're going to like, if Bitcoin wants to move up at all, uh, you're going to have like a Bitcoin move that kind of leads everything uh, and not the other way around. But right now I just think people are just repositioning for stuff after pretty much everything blew up. And that's where like, like the, the recent kind of 50% moves when the altcoins come from. And that's the 50% moves are really on like the bigger layer one things. So if you go kind of down the list, there's a good number of things that have already gone 100% or more off their Pico bottoms. Um, but some even off the like consolidations that they had after the bottom. So if you're like, oh, I think that was capitulation, then you get in, they're still like kind of uh, in that kind of 100% range. 
um, off of where they settled, like or like where you would have had a reasonable amount of time to actually fill. Yeah, I mean it's kind of crazy. Whenever you get these like ninety percent move downs, you can do so much because you have so much room, right? Even for Bitcoin here, and I've talked about this a couple of times now. I mean, just based on how brutal this move was, even if it's bearish, you can have like a lot, like a big move uh, to the upside uh, without breaking any of that, right? I mean, if Bitcoin went to 30K, still be bearish. And then you have these old coins and they could, a lot of them could actually 5X and still be bearish. So whenever you have those kind of situations and you get like a little bit, like the market starts to smell like a little bit of a reversion, uh, people just jump in. Um, because the, the risk to reward is just really good, right? When everything's down so much, you have like resistance far away and you just need a little bit more money to push it up. I mean, that's good conditions for like these kind of mean reversion plays. Yeah, 5x yeah. and still be bearish is hilarious. Exactly, right? I mean, the market got crushed <laughs> so hard that focusing purely on percentage terms like isn't hugely helpful. It can be a distraction because these things can go up a lot but still structurally be in a downtrend and look terrible. And even if they go up multiples into resistance, you kind of have to treat it as a bear market rally until proven otherwise. Because like the alternative would be going to like 10, 14K, whatever it is, apocalypse levels with zero bounce. You know, if you get a bounce in the interim, um, that in itself isn't new trend forming necessarily. You still have to be like on guard. Uh, like 2018 was, was a great example. Some of the counter trend bounces we had were terrifying and like almost made new all time highs, right? Like from 10 to 16K, there was some really brutal stuff, uh, but like higher time frame market structure still stayed intact, you know? Um, and, and I think that's probably going to be one of the better guides for what to do with this bounce and what it means, et cetera. Like either taking it level to level, which is fine, or just keeping abreast of higher time frame market structure um and you know being cognizant that there is a lot of space to where the market can go up and it, it would still suck structurally speaking uh, which is a bit of a downer type of point to make but that doesn't mean there there isn't you know there aren't huge volume gaps to, to fill in the interim yeah i mean looking at this weekly candle we're below the 200 week moving average which we've talked about kind of ad nauseum but also we're on the fifth week post what a lot of people called not a capitulation candle, but looks a bit like one now. Um, <laughs> and we're not, we're not even really a third of the way up that candle body. Like we are, if you go with like wick to wick on it, but maybe we're at a 50% retrace of that capitulation candle after five weeks. So it's not, it's not like a recovery. That's just so incredible from a Bitcoin perspective that you just ha can't, can't ignore it. But the market, the unwillingness to go down further is definitely presenting itself in the market. One other thing, like if you're just looking at a, hey, I'm going to draw a bear flag and see if it's a bear flag and it's a bear flag, you know, like this is basically picture perfect if you're trying to do that type of thing as well. So um, again, I don't think any of us are trying to set this like up only turbo bottom, never going down again type of mindset. But there was definitely a trade here that Don, you were super early to. And then now a good number of people have caught uh, wind of it and we're trying to determine does this have legs and in what assets could it have legs in like will it be bitcoin going further or will it be continuation in altcoins etc chat's yeah. saying i look tired i am tired i'm only on my second cup of coffee and uh i'm a real I'm american not, hero yeah and i'm not wearing a hat today so it's got this like you know bedhead thing going on 
Ledger, so. what do you think of the like divergence to some extent, at least on the weekly time frame when it comes to the 200-week moving average, right? As much as we've memed about it, ETH had a fairly clear breakout and kind of engulfing weekly through the through its mini consolidation and through that structure as well, whereas BTC was kind of just flat and seems to be at the top of the range right now. That's kind of tricky. Like if you wanted to steel man the case for caution, it would be something along the lines of weekend altcoin plus narrative led rally with Bitcoin only getting to the top of the range and not kind of catching up yet. It would be, it'd be something along those lines. Do you care at all about this structural weekly divergence between ETH and BTC when it comes to the weekly time frame? Because I'm kind of still churning through it in my head. I think it could still be a little harder than people anticipate. I already saw somebody talking about how leverage was reentering the system pretty rapidly with Ethereum, um, essentially anticipating the merge. If the merge was not like, it feels like the merge is real this time. <laughs> That's dangerous to say, but uh, <laughs> famous you know. last words. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of uh, good reason to believe, and including like it's it's happened on multiple test nets and that kind of stuff. Um, that the the merge in September is a thing. If that was not the case, I'd be pretty worried um, because it would look like one of those things where the real indicator is just sitting there at resistance and like the other stuff is kind of blowing past it. And on the uh, rejection by Bitcoin, like I'd be, you'd be tempted to like buy this uh, retest of it on ETH or something. You may still get that, but if we're really, really bullish, I'll, we'll see a, Bitcoin reclaim and retest. So like essentially 22, 23 should become support if we're going to go and like hit 30K or something. And I think actually 30K is a pretty good bear market target for Bitcoin for a like a, a retest, a, a test of for continued downside. This is, this should be, and Don I'm sure has this on his, all his charts. Like to me, this should be really strong resistance for Bitcoin. Um, so I, I can't imagine ETH going further, um, with a narrative as a tailwind. Um, I can imagine like 2,500 plus and, uh, and, you know, people are struggling to deal with what that means. Uh, and on the, on the same pair, um, it didn't really get down to where we all talked about it could go like the 0.044 ish 0.04, all that region. Um, and it looks more like it might be one of those kind of back to the normal range type of thing. It just makes it really, really hard to trade. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't get me like super concerned because there's a narrative to TLDR me rambling. Mm -hmm. If there was no narrative and it was just a reflexive bounce because it's less liquid, I would be much more worried. Yeah, ETH actually looks really, really good to me. Um, I mean, do we want to talk about ETH first or Bitcoin first? Um, which PL is greater for you? <laughs> ETH, definitely. Okay, let's talk about ETH. Okay. So I mean with with, with ETH, right? Um it and like a lot of my bullishness is actually coming from the ETH BTC pair, uh, because I love these kind of trades where you have like technically speaking, uh, we had this range here, right? 2018 range. Um that's what we've been ranging in uh for most of uh, uh this year, right? and um well, pretty much for all of this year and a little bit of last year and um what basically happened was that we broke it down and we talked about this on the show where we broke it down but didn't really have any follow-through um and that opens up the possibility of uh, a false range breakout breakdown right so 
we've had the same thing here where the range tried to like where price tried to break the range the upside could manage to and then just fell all the way back down and we're now in the same exact situation just on the other side of the of the range and um that makes me think we're going to go back to the high of the range which you, and you have to admit the Kobe dream of like 2k 20k is the most real it's ever been right now <laughs> like, <laughs> the, yes. the path the path For to sure. that is so clear uh, don't yeah. you have resistance here then on the btc um, what does i do tell you in terms of usd if anything um i do have resistance here but i don't think it's too meaningful uh, i think it's something where we could get like a week of pullback or something but i don't think it should lead to much more given that the much stronger signal is just this false breakdown right um we've seen false breakdowns uh or false like breakouts top and bottom markets for the last few years on on bitcoin and eth and a bunch of altcoins i mean the most prominent one is just the all-time high of bitcoin right where we took it out uh took the entire range out and then just completely dumped afterwards uh so i'm not underestimating these kind of signals and um, given that we have pretty good monthly support on EFUSD as well it just makes me think that both EFBTC and EFUSD should go up um, they've all already gone up quite a bit I mean EFUSD uh, if that goes up a little bit more it's actually going to be like a double from from the bottom which is kind of insane right people are like uh, yeah this is just a bear market rally but if you get like a 2x or 3x um, in a very liquid market like ETH in like a month or two or three that like blow everyone away that kind of has been trying to make some money in markets, but in crypto, it's just like, oh yeah, it's a bear market rally. Didn't really need to catch it. Like this, these are big, big moves, right? Um, especially given with how much size you can enter them. It's pretty easy uh, to buy as much ETH as you want. Um, in my opinion, anyway, I mean, it's just how it is. Uh, and then our size is not size. So yeah. Don't yeah, say like, sell all you want and fuck off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, so so for me, kind of like the next resistance is too far away for me to be concerned right now. Uh, I'm just happily chilling in my ETH position. Um, you see that there's monthly resistance at 2 point something K, uh, 2.4-ish, uh, which roughly aligns with what Ledger said. And I mean, there is weekly resistance um, at 1.8 K, which I think is, is also significant. Uh, but beyond that, we're currently trading above the all-time high again, undershot that on the USD pair, right? So went quite a bit lower and reclaimed it, which I think is a good sign. So for me, like everything looks good on the E front. Um, more than happy to keep holding it. And one of the advices I've been seeing on Twitter left and right is don't round trip your stuff, right? Um, like close your positions early. But the thing is, if you had that mindset, throughout like the history, you'd be much, much poorer than everyone else that just had a little bit of faith uh, because you just have to look at these kind of, at these uh, price movements that we've had and at the trend and it's pretty clearly up. Um, so like whenever I see big, big opportunities, like we've had the last few weeks, I, I'm just willing to hold it a little bit longer. And if I end up round tripping it, it's not the biggest deal in the world. I'll just try somewhere else because ultimately I think it's going to go up. So I might as well have a little bit of faith in my positions and let them actually play out. Yeah. I ran into this in, on this attempt to get a bounce. I've, I'd, I've run it into it like twice, um, like playing different altcoins or like trying to 
find a bottom and then round tripping it. So it does, it does punish you in the sense that by the time it does happen, you're probably in your most conservative state yet because you got hit by it in the wrong way multiple times, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so it doesn't, it doesn't make it easy uh, until you look at hindsight and it's like, Oh, you didn't buy the all time high retest from the prior cycle and the forever bottom and before everything 10 X and ETH merge, you know? <laughs> <laughs> always easy in that hindsight. Uh, and I think you're right. You have to pick your spots, right? Cause those types of trades affect your mental capital as well as your actual capital. So that's kind of, I, I think explains why, you know, the phenomenon, you've explained there which is why you end up at your most conservative because you keep keep taking these like licks cuts and haircuts if you're doing business in the middle of nowhere by the time it gets to the place where, where you should have been waiting for and should be doing business you've got like nothing left to give mentally and your capital base is down makes your risk much more conservative and whatnot and, and it's tricky so that, that's where the whole patience memes comes into play uh, and as we discussed ad nauseam again there are only so many spots on these charts where it's worth punting with conviction and it's a very short list but anything outside of that list probably isn't isn't worth your attention as far as these things go. And yeah, pr prior all-time high retest, like 20K, 1K, et cetera. Like, you know, we talked a fair bit about those levels. Uh, Craig, did you want to add anything from a like general price action where things are, where you think they could be? Um, no, not a whole lot. I mean, I can screen share very briefly. One sec. Uh, Chrome tab, not that one. That'll get me arrested. There we go. Okay. Um, we talked at length about mean reversion, right? Um, and, and also the fact that the market's so wrecked that even conservative mean reversion can take you to some pretty spicy prices. I think the weekly time frame can be some indication here. I pretty much agree that if this is going to be a visible, meaningful move, and at the moment it isn't, right? Like this isn't a visible, meaningful move, uh, especially <laughs> if, if you compare it to like what's happened in the past with bear market rallies. 1% meme guy literally feels that way. Like if you look at counter trend moves in general in crypto, um, the reason they're hard is because they're compelling, you know, uh, and I think for this to start to look compelling, it ha I think 30K ish uh, is, is a very good area as far as moving from one big level. If the trade is going to be worth anything, you have to expect it to go at least to the next big level, right? Because otherwise, what's the point of trading the big level? Like you're, you're not going to be buying generational once in a lifetime yada yada support if you just want one to 10% on it right? It needs to be a bit more meaty than that to make it worth trading. So I mean, structurally, 30k is like a decent mean aversion spot. And if we get the moving average memes over it, as we've discussed at length, there's like a lot of confluence at the 30 plus type of structure. I mean, from and that's from just the moving average, whatever point of view, from a weekly market structure point of view, anything that doesn't violate the higher high all the way at 46, which sounds absurd to say, that's still kind of lower high territory, right? So even if we take like a meme fib for no reason whatsoever, and you know, set that thing up as you would to measure the tracement the whole 618 whatever type of move yeah 60 to 77 retracement which is a you know often used as a standard flag bearer for counter trend moves all of that seems to align at 30k plus which is which is to say that the market can go from 18k to 30k plus and still be structurally a bearish piece of shit you know and macro and how many can still of our friends while that be... happens that so many people would be in like tough shape in that agony, mate, complete yeah. agony, you know, but I think you have to be open minded towards it because we've seen this in the past. Uh, and I, I think Don made a very good point about being the type of dog that just chases narratives once price moves one way or another. So crypto goes down. Oh, it's macro crypto goes up. Oh, it's merge and spot bid, whatever. Like if you're taking a trade, basing it on a narrative that you've only decided is important after price has moved, it's very likely a terrible trade. 
you know, or at least your timing is far less than ideal. So I think some humility uh, is is important when it comes to like crypto market structure here. It can go to 30 plus and still be just as bearish as it was at mid 20s. I know that statement on its own sounds absurd, but I think from a whatever structural point of view, it's uh, supported. Uh, and as far as ETH goes, uh, very similar thoughts there. Um, the level which was important before this whole breakdown, unwound, etc., was I think this prior swing high cluster at 1800 to 200, sorry, 2K or thereabouts, right? Like previous range high, it was this really bouncy summer range low, last little bit of support before the acceleration took place. So moving into that would still be a kind of bearish rally, bearish retest, whatever you want to call it, or at least on a relative risk reward point of view, that's not where you open up fresh positioning. You know, and you can take some liberties. I think Don, when we were in this area, had this as the range low as well, this kind of swing low mm -hmm. candle for before the acceleration. Like all of that is equally valid, you know? And if, if we start adding our moving average sandwiches on top of it, you can kind of see any pushes into 2K on a relative basis as far as, um, where the market is, that that's still an area of resistance and just as likely areas for reversal before uh, less pleasant conditions. But that said, like there's like a fair bit of space there, you know? I like for when you put the moving averages on, you also have them in these like clownish colors, you know? <laughs> yes, it's, it's, to remind, it's to remind me not to take them seriously. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think, um, that, uh, yeah, that's just setting some context for how, I mean, the only reason these moving averages and support levels are so far away is just is because of just how hard the market got wrecked on the way down you know and that's yeah. where a lot of the space comes from it's like there's the only reason this bear mark you know these sorts of counter trend moves could potentially go so high is because we went so low in the first place you know meanwhile another thing i've noticed is that many people prior bear market survivors have been like i think Jen spartan was one of these that said this it was basically like easiest bear market ever something something like and i i think there's a sur survivorship bias there that's inherent because they knew better how to navigate this time because they've survived a previous time. And I think if you actually look at the market, it's pretty much just as bad this time as it has been on priors. Um, the open question is like, what other influences are there on the market now that could actually make it much harder, much worse if the macro, if you will, if all that stuff continues to look like crap, you know, like, if we're in a recession, will it become an even harder bear market? But I think in the like crypto is its own little microcosm within a broader bull market. This was already pretty much as difficult as uh, many prior bears. Yeah, um, I, I think actually like it depends on your perspective really, because um, let's say you've been you kind of a new entrant to the market and you were bearish. So you kind of just lent your, lent your stuff out. Uh, to kind of collect yield and then you lost 99% of your balance by being exposed to Luna. Like it, there were so many traps this time around that even if you wanted to be careful, uh, you'd just get blown up, right? Because like in 2017, 2018, that bear market, I had my money, like almost all of it in Tether and I had like this somewhat like naive trust that it would just not go belly up. And nowadays, like I have much, much stronger of a belief that, okay, that's not going to happen. It's not going to blow up. But back then I was just like, okay, if it goes, I've, I'm kind of screwed. And I could have been the guy that lost it all in the Luna scenario if I joined this bear market, right? And I think yeah. it's so easy to lose sight of that because... Or not just Luna. Or yeah. like Celsius, Celsius and Voyager. Celsius yeah. or everything. Like there's so think, many ways to get blown up. This, I think it's a really good point. Around. 
one way to summarize that would be the definition of survive is broader this time around because the extent of contagion and the types of parties affected by that. So when people talked about survive in previous markets, it was basically survive your shitty ICO token going to zero and still having some money left. You know, the term survival was very closely anchored to price. Whereas now survival is also closely anchored to like choosing the right counterparties, who you're lending money to, is your size size, like all that type of stuff. I uh, think that was also harder. true like 2013 cycle, but with exchanges, you know, like the fly by night exchanges. And there yes, also weren't yes. very many like good exchanges. Whereas uh, the us, the 2017 crowd, we got a lot more, we were more fortunate because the blowups weren't near as big. It was like cryptopia, but you also had 10 reputable exchanges where you could have kept your money. You know, it was more of like, do you have altcoins that can't trade anywhere else? And so like your mothership was lost, but your mothership was going to zero anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know, bro. I'm a digital resident. I feel pretty good about myself, you know? <laughs> so there was that kind of stuff that failed systematically in 2017. But like somebody that just wanted to participate in the market, if you were on FTX and Coinbase and Kraken and Binance, whatever, like your mm. coins were fine. Like there were places to leave them even without, uh, you know, your own wallets and stuff where you were fine. This time there was plenty of ways to die otherwise. Um, even if you're being risk off, you know, like you're technically holding, you're just holding your coins and not speculating on leverage, earning some yield. Yeah. You feel good about that. But the other thing is everything that got a, a broad public narrative got just as wrecked as all the stuff <laughs> last time is this. You just yes. didn't think it was the next big thing this time. Like you thought last time, like, you know, in 2017, you thought whatever coin was, was the future and you you bag held it minus 99% and you didn't you didn't bag hold them this time like you you didn't bag hold stepping and you know safe moon and like but they still those, those existed and that's where retail was playing yes. and and they still lost 99% or whatever um yeah. so I, I think the survivorship bias is pretty strong in people that are saying that the question sure. is the question is now you know now what can you just by that level, assume it's a four-year cycle, assume we're going to have another year or something of sideways chop before we moon and make everyone cope again and go to a $10 trillion asset, blah, blah, blah. Don't freaking know. I have no idea. Uh, My gut feeling is that not enough time has passed for a fresh uptrend. Uh, I, I could totally entertain the idea of a high, you know, a, a higher price-based range and whatnot, or price even revisiting this type of bottom or this consolidation we're break, breaking out of and spend more time there. I think, or you know, or if the economy goes to total shit and you know the soft landing fails and it's a proper recession thing, I, I think that would definitely spill over. Um, what, I, what I'm less comfortable with is for, just purely from a time-based point of view for this type of move to resolve in like a new uptrend, uh, in, you know, especially like a one where retail participates and all the normal uh, signs of a frothy speculative type of cycle. Uh, I think time more than price is my only reservation there, at least at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. Um, for me, with it, go ahead. Sorry, uh, for me, it's kind of like when I'm looking at the Bitcoin market. Um, I and the reason why we've been talking about 30k so much, at least I have, is because I think that's pretty likely uh, to happen. Um, more likely to me to happen than like 12 or 14k, which a lot of people seem to be targeting. Um, and I think in general, that isn't going to be the end of the bear market. Um, I think we should be ranging around that level uh, or that area uh, for quite a while, even if it is like, even if the bottom's already in, still going to be painful uh, around that level in my, in my view, could be completely wrong. That's just kind of how I'm positioned. So with regards to like, is there going to be like a straight up new uptrend from this? I don't necessarily think so. I think honestly, like 
the most conservative part of me is comparing this to 6k um as in in 2018 we went from 20k all the way to 6k and then bounced all the way up to 12k um only to go back to 6k a billion times more and then actually fall through and i could honestly see the same thing happen again where we're kind of like doubling from 17k which was the low um towards like 34 and then come back to 17 18k uh, bounce a little bit lower that time do it again and then i don't know if we're gonna like break the bottom more uh this time around but like that kind of scenario wouldn't surprise me one bit so i'm like not the the permable i've never been the permable um i just think in general whenever you have these kind of when you have so many people off sites and so many people convinced something's going to happen it's usually not um and that's kind of what i've been positioning myself for i'm trying to scribble your thoughts here uh yeah exactly <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah i mean i think any of that's any of that's possible even if you take this is the like really painful scenario but uh even if you take this kind of modest scenario of let's get back over that 200 week kind of back into that we don't know type of range you can spend six months in these price ranges that are 50 percent off the lows and 50 percent below the highs uh for for half a year and it wouldn't it wouldn't look surprising on a chart or anything and i always like to see like what does it look like in a chart basis would it surprise me to see this chart in six months or a year from now I think there's very little that I could draw that would be stunning to me currently. And it just looks like it wants to go sideways after that much time. Like that's a lot of weeks of down, you know? Um, so a lot of weeks of uncertainty and sideways after that would make a ton of sense. Uh, I was trying to hint into this when I was talking about the, you know, broader market. We've looked at the Dixie a ton. Um, once again, it's, it's looking like it might be wanting the top. This was pure parabolic. I have multiple parabolas that I've tried to draw on this. That's the problem with parabolas. They're not very uh, easy to just to, to, to make perfect. But I didn't make ask Trav. He had a pretty decent time doing yeah. it. <laughs> so this is uh, just weekly touch points. Like It was just turbo mooning and uh, seemed kind of destined to break. So what I did on this daily chart was basically just try to uh, put multiple channels together, kind of see what shakes. And it, it just really looks to me like this chart wants to calm down. Um, and obviously this is, there's a lot of big things at play here, much harder to just, you know, draw trend lines and stuff on the dollar and everything that's going on in the world. But, you know, technical analysis exists across all markets for a reason, because historically it's reasonable tell. And it, this just hints at one, in my mind at, wanting really desperately to calm down and nothing it could be a scenario where very little changes again over the course of a year uh this is still like really really elevated and high and has a really strong relative strength but like you guys don't have to necessarily think about is the euro up or down another like five percent for for my life this week versus last week those types of changes are the ones that i think are a bit obscene when you have for the most part, like similar cultures and buying power and economies, you know, and all that kind of stuff for the, for your buying power to be changing, you know, three to 5% a week doesn't really make a lot of sense on a continuous trend basis when the economies are relatively similar. And it seems like those are probably going to be short lived outcomes. And then it's going to be back to like much slower trending moves. Um, so I think it's not unreasonable to think this has some kind of temporary 
laptop in it at a minimum, even if it's going to go higher in the long run. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on there? I just no, think I you're right in that it doesn't take much cooling off to form enough for a crypto to mean revert, even right. in an unfantastic or crazy way. Um, and, you know, dollar cooling off, commodities cooling off, the market becoming more sensitive to Fed speak and hike expectations, etc. Like even a one to two month period where it's not just headline inflation Armageddon, that, that could be enough for just a bit of a march up even if it doesn't end up being trend forming. And I guess that's still my base case, that whatever price action we see now to the upside, I I think I'm far less likely to interpret it as trend forming, more so than mean reverting, purely as a product of time more than anything else, you know? Um, And and that's kind of, I think in general, uh, like if you look at the ETH chart on on my screen, um, this is like important, right? That the price action we have right now is important because it's the first meaningful sort of higher time frame i'm insulting don here because it's a daily time frame but higher time frame <laughs> sort of market structure shift that we've had in a while in the form of this range high breakout and again the 200 week moving average was perfectly in line in confluence there this is like a notable shift in behavior uh, and, and you know e- even if i'm not a kind of in general a breakout buyer in a counter trend type of environment i still think my, my general approach to this is don't fade the breakout until the break fails uh, or it reaches like its target or very attractive levels of resistance, right? So this, to me, just looking at the chart, is no man's land, right? I- even if you completely eyeball it, to me, two areas stand out. On the first one, in terms of don't fade the breakout or the break fails, I think it couldn't be clearer what that would look like, which in this case would be any closes and weakness sort of back below uh, the breakout signal that was generated. Uh, and then that starts to look pretty terrible, right? Because this whole leg just looks like a sort of big old bean reversion from bottom to top. Um, comes down to what should be support, it fails, and that's a really rough-looking chart, rough-looking chart and kind of bear market pattern. Uh, and the alternative, the second area to do business, would have to be higher. Sort of once the Don-esque mean reversion targets start start being reached, you know, as the market reaches this previous consolidation before the breakdown, once it reaches structure to the upside, I think that it also makes sense to act there. But immediately after the breakout, especially when it's the first one, after a meaningful shift in, you know, the first meaningful market structure shift in some time, uh, I didn't find this specific area uh, in ETHUSD terribly compelling from like a decision making point of view. You know, I think you're going to get clearer signals where there are candles. This just looks like a big gap to me. I'd rather do business with some conviction if the breakout fails and that would look absolutely awful or when it gets to somewhere where I think there'll be some profit taking and people like Don nuke the market to secure their PL and infinite joyous trips with his new girlfriend, you know? Can I show one more uh, doom scribble? Yes, um, we love the doom scribbles. Okay. Um, so this is a doom scribble of, once again, like very nasty long-term chart, like retracing years full. This is what I would call kind of your recessionary environment, right? Um, but this chart looks no, no worse if it goes up significantly between now and the spring and all, all it's a hint of is that, okay, yes, you can have a plus 15% mean version, uh, after a minus 25% downside in the stock market. And, you know, that's only another 10%, uh, to upside from where it is right now. And it just looks like a, a monthly bearish retest really. Um, and that still gives plenty of wiggle room for, you know, bears and whatnot to be proven right in the course of time, if there's a full recession and all that kind of stuff, and yet still be liquidated because they were still bearish after the first 25%. 
and on the mean reversion got you know lost everything because they kept getting more and more short and i just don't think even in a strong bear market it makes it so easy to stay bearish and keep shorting and keep making money the whole way down on the downside and right now like the the i don't know if you've seen some of this but the global speculator shorts are like at all time highs uh, and there's a bunch of other stuff like that. While the while the dollar looks like it's breaking a, a parabola, like it just this just looks like it's setting up for a multi month squeeze up to me. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, I I don't necessarily know where the S and P is gonna go um, after it's bounced from the support that we are at right now. But I think there's a pretty clear way for it to go all the way to four point three k, right? So pretty much same area that you have. Um, round out there maybe go sideways here right maybe that's all the bear market is like just it going sideways there maybe it goes all the way back down again i have no idea but i think i mean it's at the first significant higher time frame support level and uh, yeah there's a bunch of people uh in in all markets really it's not only crypto in all markets that are hilariously bearish um that can easily get squeezed out without changing the macro picture. And the only reason I think we all, like all three of us keep on repeating that is because the macro picture is shit, right? But for some reason, people keep talking about the macro as if there's no way that the market can move like 5% to the upside while the macro is in place. And I think we're all on the same page there that that's just ridiculous. Um, we've had the most brutal bear markets and you still get 20, 25% moves. Uh, to the upside. I mean, if you look at Luna, for example, right? It's even still a child of Luna, <laughs> the, the first version of know. Luna. Here we go. Um, I think I might but, still have one somewhere. But, oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Because I think these are all the new ones. Yeah. It's Luna BUSD, I believe, is the only way to get it. Okay. Yeah. So you look. No. You have Did to it? zoom in. Let me see. Yeah. It's not. Oh, yeah. Actually, no, it's not. Okay. It's like they replaced it as well. Yeah, sucks. But there, there was like if you looked at the Luna chart, right? It went down ninety nine percent, and down ninety nine percent again, and then down ninety nine percent, and went down pretty much ninety nine percent over and over and over again. And then you zoomed into the 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 bounces, and there were like two hundred percent bounces in between, right? Oh, it bounced. I think it bounced ten x or like every day that on its way down. <laughs> yeah and and you're like what the fuck and that, that's just a, but that's how markets work right if they go down a shitload they can go up a shitload without actually changing direction at all and um there was this news article that cred actually put on the show that we have together at some point where like a big firm got liquidated uh shorting the luna breakdown yeah right? i don't remember who that was but i saw that too it's unreal i think it was yeah. upbit with their ai you know, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was an algo trader that was like, Oh, I guess train reverse, it's up 8x. We're, we're still we're better than the bot, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's kind of like what I what I, I think is really important to kind of realize that even if you have like strong views, um, don't kind of discount the counter trend rallies, uh, they can happen no matter how bad everything is, um, and they usually do happen at some point. Uh, we yeah, like the price yet. outcome of your views doesn't tie price to one specific way of getting there, right? I think that's the issue. People have this overarching thesis that because all this stuff sucks, price has to end up 
or bought them at a lower price. And even if you agree with them, it's a completely different claim to then say it has to go there in a straight line with zero mean reversion. And I know exactly how it's going to get from point A to point B. You know, that's a far trickier claim to make. Uh, and it's just in general, it's kind of absurd. And I've been, um, you know, I talked to Don about this because basically most of the bounce arguments that are being made have been made around these prices is, base, is, is some version of price has gone down a lot very quickly. It's at a good level now. It might go up a bit, you know, and that's not a shocking claim. You know, that's not, that's not a grandiose claim. That's not the type of premise that should need sort of weeks of rambling and justification and whatever else. It, it, it's fairly straightforward on its face. And it doesn't mean that the economy doesn't start. It doesn't mean that the bottom is in forever. It doesn't mean any, any of those things. It's just it's kind of a relative It's also a hard trade bet. to make. It's, like, a hard, it's a very hard trade to make. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, <laughs> we're not even talking about the fact that, like, what if, for example, just a what if. We have not even considered what if it's a soft landing and we don't like yeah like what we've that's not even in our outcomes. We're talking about thirty six k or you know probably lots of selling at thirty k mm. and the economy is absolutely going to roll over et cetera. And that's that seems to be cons absolute consensus that the only outcome is full on uh, deflationary style recession. Is what's really being talked about because in an inflationary style recession, there will be assets that like stop many stock markets go up in an inflationary recession, right? Because your your currency is not what you want to own. You want to own assets. So different types of assets, but like you want to own assets. We're not really giving an outcome for that. We're only giving kind of this like strong dollar deflationary world outcome. And we're not <laughs> It's been it's been a weird time, man. It's I feel like it's wild, yeah. Yeah, we haven't had this type of thinking be required in basically a generation. Um, <laughs> and what happened? Ray Dalio talks about this in all his books. Um, and it's basically like you give it you give it a generation or two, and everybody forgets how it you know like what you had to do to survive in the last one, and it just makes it harder to do it again. But if you study the past, like you start to see some of these outcomes um, take shape. And there is a scenario where the economy is not good uh, across the board and like fiat currencies are struggling, but in a, in a relative pricing basis, it doesn't mean total doom for, uh, you know, certain components of a stock market or maybe even the index or maybe certain types of assets, et cetera. So like there's a lot of variables and potential outcomes, but we're trying to squeeze all of them into the, the two recessions three, I guess, if you count, you know, 2001, 2008, 2020, that were basically all uh, deflationary style recessions within our generation. And, and the outcome this time does not have to meet those criteria. It can and probably will be very different. Yeah, it's a recency bias, right? But I also think it's the product of a very strong trend. And I think that's the case because you see it in the uptrend as well. Like when you talk about dips in an uptrend, it's like, okay, well, maybe it'll go down 10%, but only to shake out the super leveraged people. And then we'll keep going up. Right, so as your belief in the in the strength of the trend goes up, the amount of downside and negative scenarios you're willing to entertain is inversely correlated. That goes down, and it's the same in a downtrend. So even if you're like a hyper mega bull, 
because the downtrend's been so brutal, the best you can do is, oh, well, bearish retest, and maybe then we go to zero. <laughs> but I think we might be able to go to 30K, you know? I think it's just a really strong trend beats that by virtue of recency bias and everything else just beats that into you. So, you know, you're forced to be humble with uh, counter trend uh, views or expectations. I think we see it on both sides, you know? Don, do you think that there's any chance that, you said maybe 20k is, is the 6k equivalent if we're trying to put that 3ac gap is amazing uh if we're trying to to equate recency bias do you think there's a case and credit you've talked about this a lot too is the 30k ends up being more like 6k where on the way back up it's like everybody's like oh, i'm absolutely out of this market at 30k like there's no way i'm still in this market so that it's like all right blew right past it. i mean we didn't even spend a day there last night like is, do y'all think that's a potential outcome as well yeah i think it's possible i think it's not necessarily like super super likely that we just blow through it but i think like you said all of us including myself i don't think we give enough credit to the fact that this could just be the bottom and we could just keep going up um i talked about this a while ago like when we like wiping out i was like it's so crazy like that i as someone that doesn't think this is the bottom just thinks it's the mean reversion um it uh, that i'm like one of the most bullish people around and i think there is a chance that this is like the bottom and we're just gonna like walk up slowly and then actually just make new all-time highs uh the narrative is gonna change to make that seem plausible the moment we get to 40 or 50k probably like it doesn't sound possible at all right now if the prices just like go a little bit higher, suddenly someone is gonna like put a name on why this is happening, and then everyone's just like, "Ah, oh, yeah, that makes sense." Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I could see that happen. Um, for me, it doesn't really change much in the sense that uh, I'm gonna probably like just hold my position into like if we get an up move into 30k, uh, and then decide based around the price action that we get at, on that level, whether I want to be selling or not, I'm not going to have any like AFK sells uh, because I think there is a chance it's the bottom. Um, so for me, it doesn't really change anything. I'm just going to make up my mind basically once we get there. Um, but yeah, the, the crazy part about all of this, right, is that I think uh, there's a good chance that we wouldn't have gone to 17K if free AC didn't blow up, right? So they kind of drove the the market down much, much further than makes sense, right? Like they were forced to kind of sell and a bunch of counterparties were forced to sell even though they didn't want to. That's like the most stupid kind of selling that you can have. If you're forced to sell, no matter the price uh, and you're forced to kind of take any liquidity you're given, you're going to do the most dumb selling imaginable, right? So people always say, okay, um, if this is the bottom, it's the most easy one. But the thing is, right? We if it is, it was sponsored by like these big guys, these like institutions and like I said, free arrow capital, uh, kind of pushing the market way beyond where it should have been. And all of this down here could be considered just discounted, right? The market being way, way lower than it should be. And anything that you can kind of grab into like this liquidation of sorts. And we've seen this in other, in other kind of crypto markets before, right? Where a big entity gets liquidated and everyone knows uh, if you buy this liquidation, we're going to be able to sell it much higher um, just by arbitraging it out, basically. And this could be the same kind of situation where uh, we're much, much lower than we should be. Uh, and it is an easy bottom in that sense because uh, prices are much, much lower than they should be. So like you're kind of getting a discount. 
Um, but if, yeah, like if I said, that was if that was yeah. true, would this be the most poetic like group of screenshots of all time? Uh, when Kyle yes. said a couple more liquidations, yes, <laughs> it would be. Yeah, and the it, pro shares short uh, ETF as well, right? Also, uh, yeah, happen. yeah. Oh, the the short ETF, the 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 ETF publishing thing is another one. It's just <laughs> yeah, it's you've got to be kidding me. Both of them. The the I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The futures. I, I made the same excuse as I did with the CME one. Like the <laughs> the new the new institutional products tops the market. Pico top like that. Right. That long futures ETF is so unbelievably bad. Uh, anyway, yeah. I just had you, you talk about three AC gap and then like Kyle's tweets. <laughs> That's <laughs> a great chart annotation. Oh, so I think cringe. to your point, Ledger, thirty k is six k. I think what made six k act in that way or at least one of the factors and i'm beating a dead horse here but it was time is the fact that 3k mm -hmm. was just such so grindy so illiquid so such an absence of volatility it was so terrible that going up to 6k felt like god's gift to earth you know like finally because you know at that point when it's just moving sideways at 3k you're, you're almost making a 50 50 bet because you know is the ass going to fall out of this thing again is it, is it just consolidation before more continuation or is it the bottom so when it doubles and does so after spending a year doing nothing um, you know, that definitely shifts your expectations. So I think it depends when we get to 30K would, would sort of inform, inform my judgment as to whether it's a valid analog to 6K. I think the more time passes and the more chop churn, et cetera, the higher likelihood that it just blasts through, kind of bigger base, bigger expansion. If it just absolutely short squeezes, very illiquid two candle move to 30K, I, I think that would be less preferable. I think Don has spoken to that point as well. Yeah. It was about 18 weeks from the like second week of capitulation over to where it, it kind of charged up above 4K again. But the actual, um, like if you take that second capitulation candle to the like retest of the 20 day was only about 12 weeks. Um, so let's say between, you know, 12, 12 and 20 weeks, that would put us roughly in an October timeframe if we were still kind of in this 20K range. Um, in terms of matching that and I don't, we don't need the exact fractals and all that, but it, it that was not as much time in the in the like sub 6k realm as i thought at the time it felt like much more back then it felt like longer yeah my my numbers are off because it felt you know especially if you're glued to your screen and you're wrecked and you're hoping because i remember buying like 3.8k and then watching it go like stay at 3k for ages that that was that was quite painful as well yeah. or even 4.8 no, i blocked that early up right there on the left yeah um, yeah that's the one it's it's not as it's not as bad, but that last bit where we'd already made the lows, but then we were having like, you know, $10 range days <laughs> was I think where it was the most painful. And that's what finally established the move, right? Like you just, you, you were bored to tears watching the market those days. Um, Good and they were all up weeks, which is hilarious. Like February and March um that range right there like they were basically all up weeks all no volatility no one believed in that pump everyone thought like so many oh, people I did. well <laughs> i did too uh I, I was highly convicted that was yeah i was already screaming my uh 200 week memes back then um and have continued oh, to do so Chad. <laughs> yeah uh and that was like the pico bottom um anyway so yeah as it, we have a little more volatility this time for sure um so like if we hit that no volatility multi-month period that would be an interesting outcome especially if other markets are like going down at the same time you know mm -hmm. 
nevertheless. Um, I don't, I don't have a lot more. I think, can we just summarize as we head out, like what we want to see next? We didn't really go down the pipeline of altcoins, but they all moved. I mean, I don't really know if there's a whole lot else to say. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have yep. a few like really good looking ones, but they're mostly at resistance. So it's kind of like, the, the interesting bit is that um, they could still be a good buy, right? Because I mean, yeah. if they break the resistance, it's going to go up 50% the next day and people are going to be like, where is this coming from? Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty tough shilling a setup at resistance, especially if you're already sitting in it because the moment you do and it just completely <laughs> runs away and like kind of dies on you, um, you're, you're the evil person that sh like shield their position at resistance um, while being in from lower. So don't I think there's, a, want to be doing there, that. there's probably a couple and I'll, I'll do it on your behalf because whatever, mm -hmm. why not? Um, so like Solana to your point, um, some stuff has broken above this, like this prior high, whatever it was in mid June. And they're up here now, uh, kind of on just a relative chart basis, but look at Solana, Adam, uh, several other coins. Um, you can kind of pick your favorites. It doesn't really matter. They're all sitting here basically at this, this range high here. And they've done really well over the past several days. But if they break above that, the path to them to go another 50, 60, 100%, like, you know, again, like the, the levels people don't talk about in that is if, what if you get past this one and you go to this one? Like if, if Solana goes to $78, people are going to be pretty angry <laughs> if they got capitulated <laughs> at like 25, you know, um, and that's a, that's a possible outcome. If this breaks the range, if this trend is is strong, that's a possible bearish retest upside of eighty bucks. Yeah, um, and that's kind of the next thing. However, you could totally look at this and say this is a range high. It's going to go back down and chop people up in the thirties again, and it's going to do so for for weeks. None of us know the answer to that. We just I know. don't think it's it's going to chop. Honestly, I think it's going to go up. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, that's my positioning as well. It's just not not a guarantee or anything. Like, yeah, never a guarantee. Yeah. So if we're sitting here saying, hey, we're at we're at resistance, like doesn't make us bearish necessarily. It just <laughs> just means like <laughs> this is not as good of a buy as it was a week ago. Yeah. I mean, I should sure do that support for a reason, right? I mean, that's just how it works. <laughs> and I mean, it's just kind of like how it always goes. Like you shield something and then people are like, hey, you should be more careful with giving advice because this shit could go to zero. And then it's at resistance and people are like, okay, what should I do now? I was like, I actually think this is a reasonable, know. a reasonable way. And maybe we cred, you can talk about this some, and if it's not, then feel free not to, but sure. like when you've talked about kind of your higher conviction trades, would this be the type where you'd rather enter this market at 43, $44 than you would have, you know, down here? Uh, would I rather and, buy high than buy low? Is that what you're asking me? <laughs> well, from a from no, a I'm just certain, joking. you know what I'm talking about. We've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of I yeah, I, I think it's worth bearing in mind the general principle that a kind of a lower price isn't necessarily a guarantee of a better trade or a better entry in general. Because it's more than just price; it's price structure. And that's valid. Uh, in this case. What I would have loved, some hideous failed breakout that the market then reclaims, and I can screw thing on on my side. I don't know if you can you see my BTC USD screen right now. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, for example, setups that I really like, um, especially because they tend to forming, is say you've got a level, right? And this is our level, and the market's come into it in the past, 
past. It's been resistance at some point and then just created this hideous failed breakout market structure shifting move. And really, like with the passage of time or whatever else, it creeps back up to the level where that failed breakout occurred. But instead of acting as resistance like it did in the past, uh, it actually reclaims the level above which that hideous failed breakout took place. And that tends to be one of my favorite type of long setups because it's a very good failed bearish setup. Under normal circumstances, once you have a level and you have a hideous fake out above it and it comes back, that's just as valid, if not stronger resistance than it was at first instance. So accordingly, when that setup fails and the market makes its way back above where some of the most awful price action originated, that tends to be a pretty clear entry signal that if they're, if they're not going to sell this thing here, probably not going to sell it uh, anywhere, Craig, or at least you're, much higher. You're not, you're not sharing. Uh, I mean, I think oh, am I not? Sharing, you not see that? You, we cannot see the oh, links. I, oh, sorry, I get that here. So, you know, you've got a level of resistance, for example. You can see this, right? Yes, that we can. Yeah. Yeah. And the market comes in. Uh, it proves to you that there's some resistance there and whatever else, fine. Uh, and then the next instance that it comes into that level, it forms an absolutely vile type of failed breakout structure. Like, look, it looks amazing, and then you get completely rugged. Right. And then you're thinking, oh, my God, this price action here is one of the most hideous things on the chart, whatever. And then with some passage of time, eventually the market, you know, whatever, consolidation. And then it moves back up to the level where that hideous breakout originated. Right. And under normal circumstances, this is a really good because you've got resistance, a, a failed break of that resistance and its resistance once again. And it tends to be a pretty good kind of continuation pattern to the downside. So one of my favorite kind of trend reversal setups to take is if the market doesn't find any resistance there and actually closes above it, trades above it, does whatever else, finds support there and whatnot. And that sequence tends to be really, really good for trend reversal. Because if the level which at which there was the most awful breakout ever, or failed breakout in this case, doesn't act as resistance, then it's probably, well, that's not right. You know, if, if you're not going to find resistance here, you're probably not going to find it anywhere. So those types of structures where the kind of brutal part already took place, it's far less likely that you get a repeat of a failed break. And if it get, if it creeps back up there and closes, it's much higher likelihood of continuation. So to your sole point, I would have liked a bit more of a, a meaningful poke through that range high you were mentioning. And then as a result, going back above that area would suggest that whatever supply caused this hidden breakdown uh, has sort of isn't there anymore. And then you go up. I think in general, um, breakout trading in these conditions is a bit tricky. I think Don touched on this point, which is that if you have existing positions at good prices, it's a good price to do nothing. But if you don't have an existing position, it's far less attractive for fresh positioning. That's sort of my my view on the on where the market is right now. And in terms of when you mentioned summary or whatever else, what we're looking for, um, I think the only thing ingredient left before the case for me, like a meaty meat reversion becomes far more compelling is I want Bitcoin to catch up. And doesn't need to outperform, doesn't need to do anything crazy, but you know, ETH quite compellingly broke out of its daily consolidation, daily structure, made a higher high, what what have you. Uh, I want BTC to do the same. And I think the candles that down to the candle structure, it's very similar where, where between BTC and ETH. So candle structure, range high, 20 week moving average, etc. I want to see BTC catch up. And I think that'd be a pretty good signal for two to you know four or five weeks or whatever of uh of uptrend or counter trend bounce, whatever you want to call it. Um, I really think that's the only ingredient, you know, especially if you're looking for the full picture. Um, and there are pros and cons to that. As far as this week, uh, I definitely want BC to catch up because in the past, um, it's certainly been higher risk longs when the market is led by other stuff. And if BTC catches up later, fine, doesn't catch up at all. That's when you tend to run into some issues. Yeah. Great. Uh, Don, anything to add before we go? 
No, I actually agree. Like I agree with, with, with all of that. Um, I'm just in general, just gonna, um, not change anything. So for me that nothing has to happen. Like if, if, if I think the, the one thing that can change my mind right now is if Eve loses the break breakout, um, I would have to take profit and I would take profit on the entire market. So if we go back below 1.2 K, uh, and start closing there, I'm going to be running. And, um, the cool thing is that's still 20% above my average entry for ETH. And I'm still going to make money on Solana. I'm still going to make money, uh, on a bunch of stuff in the market, which is like pretty nice when that's like one of the reasons why I try to buy as low as I can, because sometimes, uh, your thesis is wrong as in like my thesis, okay, the market is going to go to 28 K for Bitcoin, but you still have like a really good buy. So the moment your thesis gets invalidated, you still make profit. Um, so that's kind of like the one thing that I'm watching. I don't want to see 1.2 K get lost everything else besides my target being hit. Um, and my Solana target is $80 or $90. Um, if it's weak and 140 ish, if it's strong. Um, my ETH target is like, if it's really weak, 1.8 K, if it's strong, like around 2.5 to 3 K. Um, and with Bitcoin, like I said, like in the 30 K range, um, as long as we're holding these breakouts, uh, I'm going to target those and I'm just going to look, okay, is the market strong? Am I going to take profit early? Um, or am I going to take it late? So for me, nothing has to happen at all. Uh, I'm just going to stay positioned, not change anything. Uh, until either of those hit so uh, either yeah. my my targets or my my kind of invalidation it's the ducks on ledger we're just swimming in i it. know his solana targets put mine to absolute shame <laughs> <laughs> triple digit soul is not on my radar uh that is completely burying me for my profession of catch up apparently i've been saying chup <laughs> even though i don't think so. <laughs> i tend to be prids but i'll take their word for it and also it's cred coping because He's not positioned. His tears roll down my face. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for being here with us. We appreciate you. Hope you'll catch us next time on Weekly Open. And thanks for being here. Go to weeklyopen.com to check out episodes. Go to weeklyopen.com slash FTX to trade this market. You can do so easily, directly from one asset to the other with zero fees. Track it on the app, DCA in, DCA out. Make the trades that you need to make. Do it all on FTX. Weeklyopen.com slash FTX. Thanks to them for being our partners. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.